Good morning, everyone. And I want to thank you for taking the time out of your day to join us for our career development. 930 on on Thursday, June the 24th. Today we are going to be talking about getting down and dirty. A subject that is very dear to my heart because it has to do with dirt and land. So I'm going to go ahead and we do have a speaker. I will tell I will introduce her here after I get done with my PowerPoint, but I'm going to share my screen. And we'll go ahead and get started on land. So again, today is getting down and dirty. And under all is a land. Everybody hears that phrase a lot. Um, I love the phrase as a accredited land consultant when I got that designation a long time ago. I don't pay every year, so I don't, I can't say I have it now, but I have all the knowledge and everything. But the phrase originated in the 13th century. So the phrase has been around because honestly, we only have so much land. That's it. We have what we have and we need to take care of it and understand it. So the first, and it's uh, fitting that the first words in the preamble of of our code of ethics with NAR is under all is the land. That's how our preamble starts. Oh, I didn't know I put a transition, a smooth transition in here. Let me move this out of the way so I could see my. So what the reason we're doing this today is there's a lot of agents that, you know, they're really exceptionally what good at all types of residential property and they have sold some land and things like that but there are that's why there's a special designation called accredited land consultant because there is way more than just a lot to build a house there's a lot to go in and i wanted to be able to share a number of things that i i think that you will find interesting that may help you elevate your knowledge to be able to represent sellers and buyers to the best of your ability and to represent them fairly. And the reason I want to share this with you guys is because just because it's two pieces, uh, it's a piece of land there, that value isn't the same as every other one if you understand what land is and what it offers for uh, the potential buyer. So let's roll up our sleeves and we're gonna go ahead and get started. The first thing, I try to do a lot of pictures. There's a very few slides that has a lot of wording on there. This one's very important. I wanna go over that when you are either going to list a piece of property, whether it is a small parcel or large parcel or in between, if you're gonna list a piece of land uh, the first thing you want to make sure there's things that you want to do before you work with a buyer or before you list the property that you have a good understanding of what your client's need is. The first thing definitely hands down, don't assume that it says a certain thing on your MLS. Always do your due diligence. I would always call the 
zoning department, if you're working in specific counties, every county is different. Uh, so check the type of zoning. And if you've done this enough in all the different counties that you go in, you're gonna see some have what is called A, A1, A2, A3, AR, R1, R2, R3, M1, C, CR, the list goes on. Um, Michael, do you, is, are one of you guys hosts that you can mute everybody? I'm going to jump off and jump back on, um, and then I'll be able to mute them because I can't right now. Okay, thank you. And I'll just, that way I can keep on going um, and stay focused. So anyway, know your county. And I would say if, it, if this is a uh, niche that you really want to work in, if you're going to be working with the state's uh, large farms and things like that in a wide area, make sure you take the time to, to gain that knowledge. Go in and talk with the zoning uh, people. They should be able, if this is your niche, they should be able to say, when you walk in, like they say, hey, Sheila, what you need today? Um, that's because you get familiar with the people that work there. That's also gonna help you when you know the people and they know that you know what you're doing it helps facilitate getting things through faster. If you don't know what you're doing and you're fumbling through stuff going to the county, it's gonna kind of hold things back a little bit, but when you can articulate what you're wanting to do and they, they have confidence in your abilities, that truly does help a lot. Uh, I can attest to that. So within the zoning, you can also pull up zoning for all the counties and get an understanding of it on their websites. And you're going to find chapters, articles, sub subsections, and it looks like a lot, but depending on what your client is needing, make sure you dive into that particular area to make sure that you're representing them the best that you can. Um, the last thing you want is to think you're selling a piece of property to someone that it's going to fit because you saw some of the things, but once they close, and due diligence wasn't taken, but on their part too, and we'll talk about that, uh, then they may have a piece of land they cannot do their dream with. Um, each, each zoning is going to allow like the different areas, there are some um, things that are very uh, similar. So there's permitted by right. So anything that's in there, uh, you'll, the very first things that you'll see, it's all the permitted by right. So in A1, this is what's permitted by right and under permitted by right, these are the subdivi subdivision rights to, you know, you have the right to subdivide. So, and this is another thing too, don't, uh, don't think just because in one ag, it says that you can divide off two and a half acres, a minimum of two and a half acres. They're all different. Every county's different. Some, some of them will allow, um, if it's say A1 in one of the counties, you have to have a minimum of 40 acres before you make your first division. And then they only allow you to make a certain size of division and you can only do it every five years, unless it's family. And then if it's family, and I'm sharing this with you because it does get in the weeds sometimes, then if it's family, 
then if the if you do these family divisions, then it has to be held for an a specific amount of time. This is very important to know because if your if your buyer is saying, you know, oh, I want to buy this and I'm I've got this great grandeur idea of doing all these uh, little houses on it, like a tiny house uh, community or um, whatever it is, or if you're looking to sell it, if you want to, number one, get the most money for your client as a uh, seller as possible, understand the property. And also that way you can market it, you can answer and have everything in a packet to give people. So you're taking away any objectives. They can make a, a clear and fast decision. Um, and again, this slide here, I'm camping on just a little bit because these are important things to grasp. And if you want this slide, I can send it to you. It's a, via PowerPoint. So if you have the ability, I can do that or I can print them off and send you the slides later also. Uh, so permit uh, permitted by right. But then they have these little subsections of permitted by special use. So maybe it's not permitted by right, but this is where having a really good connection um, and relationship with the different zoning departments, like Diane Lipkowski, I can call her, hey, Sheila, what's your question? And I'll say something and we can have a very casual comfortable conversation like I'm talking with you guys because the relationship was built. So I can just say, this is what my client's wanting to do. I know this is by right, but what can we do to make this happen? And so get those relationships going. Permitted by, uh, by special use, uh, that's gonna take a little time you need. And if you're gonna write an offer and that's gonna be subject to the offer, you need to know how long is that gonna take? You know, if that has to take place and you need to write it in your contract, make sure you understand uh, the time frame that helps you prepare a, a good offer also. Uh, permitted by right is, that's just straightforward. I had already mentioned that. And I went over the special use. And of course, anything with special uses and you're out of the scope of the norm, it's gonna cost money and time. So there's going to be approval uh, uh, applications and fees that have to be paid. Every county is different depending on what exactly you're doing. Subdivision of lands, uh, every county, the size of lot, the depends on the zone, the specific zoning. It's going to then depend on the size of lot you can uh, divide, the minimum, maximum amount of land that you need to own to do it the time frame that you can do it because there are some that are 25 year time frames. So be aware of that because if somebody buys a piece of land, they said, well, I'm gonna make two divisions and my mom, whatever mom's gonna live here and whatever's gonna live here, they may not be able to do it. So make sure that you understand zoning, uh, family divisions, and I've already spoke about that. So, um, Another thing also is the front, rear, and a lot of you guys know this, uh, especially those of you that are doing new builds and things like that and have worked with builders, you understand that there's uh, front, rear, and side setbacks. 
so be aware of that. And when you can articulate that, that makes you uh, an agent that is that can be known in this realm and to say, oh, you need to contact that agent because she really knows her stuff or he really knows his stuff. Um, and then there are times that possibly that you are working with a client that the specific type of zoning that it is, is not gonna work. However, if you understand like number nine, I have a little asterisk back by there, every county has a master plan. Whatever length of time, I've seen them 25 and 50 year master plans, but understand their master plan. Because if you're on Route 340 and you're on the uh, east side of 340 within a certain area, you know, is there, how soon is that going to be developed? That can be transitional land. So, but if it's close to where there's a master plan that they have that they're, they're looking to do in the future, then maybe your client wants to uh, open a certain type of business then they can actually go through the rezoning process. Uh, I've done that before and one on a big parcel that I was turning into a subdivision and had it done R3, it took over a year. It took over a year because there was a lot of study periods, a lot of meetings and everything like that. So understand again, if your client wants to do something and you find the right parcel, but it needs rezoned, make sure you have that relationship and talk with the zoning department because that really does truly help guide you uh, through writing that offer um, or if you have the listing on how to articulate it and give the information to the potential buyer. So understanding your buyer's needs before the search uh, and I put it in blue because I wanted to drive that home under so if they're wanting land understand their specific need. And if they're in a certain county, go ahead and start doing your, your diligence. So you're gonna help guide them. You're gonna save yourself time also. I have that down there. You're gonna save, your, save yourself time because um, say they have, I had one like this. She wanted to put a, it was basically not a wildlife sanctuary, but it was a vet clinic, not open to the public, but it was going to be for her nonprofit where she helped uh, rehabilitate uh, wildlife. Well, that of course, and she was looking at all these different counties. So I really needed to narrow her down um, because that is a very specific thing and, and it was gonna cause, have a lot of work. So understand your agent or your client's need. Is there any question on this particular page that anybody has? Okay. Now I know this is not a shock or comes as a new surprise to anybody, but I do want to cover uh, right-of-ways and easements. And the reason I wanted to bring this up the, uh, a friend of mine had a beautiful, beautiful, drop dead, beautiful piece of land listed with amazing uh, mountain views. It, it did have a right of way. 
you know, I didn't look into it because it wasn't any, I didn't have anybody looking at it or whatever, but I stayed in touch with her and it did have a deeded right of way. However, there was nothing anywhere that was allowing for an easement of like your utilities and everything like that. The wording, when that was put together, when that ease, that right of way was put together, there was no wording at all put in there to go across that person with a telephone pole, electric telephone poles, electric lines and things like that. So they had it under contract and during their study period, they found out that the, the owner that you have to go across was not going to allow. Now, could they go to court and do all that? You know, they could, but that's money, you know, money and time. So I just want everybody just be aware, just because it says right away, read the right of way. What is it giving access to? What does it specifically say? If it's like the one that's right here, and it's a it, this is like uh, going between these two properties, and I did this on a lot of subdivisions I did, we had a specific agreement between these two. So this particular right of way that come in this little easement, this right of way right here had specific um, agreement on how both of these parties were to take maintain this right of way for the two. Um, so anyway, is any questions on right of ways? Has anybody been tripped up on that or had any problems? Anything that you can share that would help other agents on here? What if what if it's a um, like a public right of way, like a, it belongs to the county or the city? How how do you reassure buyers? Or actually, the biggest question I get from buyers when I have that situation is like, is it my responsibility to maintain, or is it the city? county's responsibility to maintain that right of way. Okay, so I've had a number of properties like that and need to be aware too. And you're, you may find this a lot in, uh, in this area because many years ago, they could have had plans like their master plans back then. Oh, we're, here's a road here. And at some point in the future, we're gonna have this right of way through here so we can access this road way over there so maybe down in the future, we can cut through here. Now, that was done so long ago, if you're sitting there on the property, you can't tell because trees are grown up and everything, but nonetheless, in writing, that is still an old right-of-way that could be. Now, one of two things, you need to just let your, they just maintain it. My mom owns a piece of property like that. There's right on the edge of it is if the town wanted to put a road there, they have they can put a road there she the title company usually catches that too but as a good agent like a, if you're a if you really start learning how to work these just look and if you have questions make sure you ask an attorney um, about it so the wording is protecting your client so they understand because the last thing you want them to do uh, is buy the build their house and then all of a sudden the town after, or the county after 50 years decides, hey, I think it is a good thing. We're gonna put a two lane blacktop road right through here. So 
they need to understand. I, I personally, I have a thing about right away, people being able to access. Now easements is one thing, right of ways is another. Easements for utilities and all that, you need that. So just be careful. Um, there's a lot of, a lot of examples I can give on that, but just be careful, just educate your client and let them know if it's a right of way, they, like my mom, if you looked at her property, it looks like it's all hers. I mean, she even has a shed on that because there was no stipulation that she could not. Now, one other thing, uh, like overturning things, you, I have done this before. If it's something that's like so far out and you, there are ways that you can go through zoning and, and through the uh, county and that can be vacated. You know, if they have no use, they literally, you can, it's a process to do, but they can vacate those type of right-of-ways. So uh, there are some things that you can do. Can I, um, can I speak about um, some right-of-ways that seem to not be a big deal, but can turn into a big deal? Um, yeah, in that, yes, thank you. Um, um, I, I you know, we, we don't really pay attention to utility easements until they're a problem. And the big evidence, the ones that give the most evidence of that encouragement onto your property is when they take a small um, utility um, arm that's out in a field or beside your house and they come through and put one of those humongous uh, power um, stations right through your property. If it's got a 500 or 150 foot easement, you need to make sure that your buyer knows that that could indeed be enforced. And the little um, metal pole could turn into a very large pole. And the same thing with a gas line easement. Yes, a lot of people don't pay attention to a gas line easement and don't really know what that means. Where is that gas? They just see a little um, orange post sticking up out of the ground, but there is a gas line and usually it's pretty large that's running close to their property. So it's better that they know that it's there than to say, why didn't you point that out later? Yes, thank you, Wendy, for bringing that up. And, uh, and on the gas line too, that happened with us, uh, which we knew how to take care of it, but we had our registered Angus and we knew the gas line was there and it looks, you can look at the little pole and it looks like it's all new, but lo and behold, they're running another larger gas line through. Now we have a herd of cattle that we have babies coming, we're having to work and move and everything. Now we're having to put up extra temporary fencing to keep the cattle off. It was a pain for us and expense for us because now we had to put temporary fencing up to keep them off from where they were working. Uh, yes, yeah, so thank you for bringing that up. And one other thing I will say, so like this little picture here, um, and I believe we can all tell horror stories about <laughs> right-of-ways across properties and uh, FYI, if you've been in the business long enough, you're gonna have a property maybe like right here that you listed this property and, you, and they, your client actually has a legal right-of-way here, but this client doesn't like this client, 
And every time somebody comes, they're going to come down here, they're going to put ugly stuff or they're going to be obnoxious or they will literally come and stand in the way. I've had this happen. I'm sure anybody in the business long enough has seen it. They would stand there. You're not going on this. You, you cannot come on my property. And I would literally take the, the actual right of way legal agreement recorded. And I would say, I, I'm sorry, but this is a legal right of way. If I need to, I can call the police and they can escort me onto this property. I wanted them to know, I don't let them. Now, don't put yourself in a, there are some people stay safe because if ever you run into that and you aren't, you're just showing this property, you're not the listing agent and you don't know this and you run into that, do not do confrontation, just leave and let the listing agent know, let the listing agent take care of that because it can turn ugly. So uh, once again, these two people, this is why I don't like right-of-ways. If you're subdividing, please, please talk to your client, say they have a piece of land, they wanna subdivide. Please talk to your client and say, let's really look through this. Let's get VDOT out. Let's see if there's any way we can do this subdivision, even if it comes here and crosses over here where we can give them this piece where it makes it clear cut. They have their entrance, we have our entrance. That's the best way to do it because they can be families, what usually happens in this area. And then somebody else buys it before long, you have the Hatfields and McCoys living next to each other and you have these problems. So um, no, unless you own both of the properties, you're never gonna have full control over that. Okay, entrance, uh, entrance permit. So how many on here, and I'm gonna highly, I say this again here in a little bit, how many on here has actually taken the time to go out with VDOT, meet them out there, and literally watch them through the process of how they actually, what they do to get an entrance permit? If you haven't done that, I highly suggest to do it. Once again, knowing the people that do these things, like whatever it is that you're in the county, knowing the people, like I used to call up, I could say, hey, Mike, I've got another entrance permit, you know, on this thing, you know, I've already drove it, I've measured it. This is what it looks to be. The site distance looks like we're gonna be good at this. And I've kind of marked where I feel it should be. Can you come out and do an entrance permit? Then you're working with them. If you're working with them, then you could do things like this. We needed an entrance permit in one area that was gonna be best for the client, but there was one tree on the fence line and the neighbor's property that gave a split second, no sight distance. They weren't gonna give it there and they were gonna to have to move it, which was gonna cost the client more. So I said, I asked Mike, I said, what if I, I ask if I can have that tree cut down? will you, he said, yes, if, if that tree moves, I'll give you the entrance where you want. So I went to the neighbor and I asked them, he said, I don't like that tree anyway. Yes. So, so they actually paid to have it cut down so they could get the, it was cheaper to do that and get the entrance where they want. So think out of the box, but once again, getting to know your county officials in whatever area really, truly helps you a lot they'll come out and determine and give you a permit. 
uh, has it been perked? We're going to go over some of that, not deep because we've already have and it's recorded. Uh, ASOE is an authorized on-site soil evaluator, and they'll come out. Um, one thing good about Stephen White at Greenway Engineering, I've had him do this a, a good number of times. If you have a buyer or a seller, uh, but if you have a buyer looking to get a property, it hasn't been perked, or maybe it was perked in the early 2000s and that is a pure flow system, which is a nightmare. They don't do them anymore. You need a better system. So um, he will come out and actually it's $200 for him to do a walkover. AOSEs are so proficient and do so many of this. They know the soils, they know the the seams of the rocks in the ground and stuff like that. And they can tell by walking over it pretty much, you know, if they're going to be able to do something. Now that is not saying definitely, but uh, I haven't had him be wrong yet. Um, so uh, check the flood map, so, uh, the flood zone map. You want to check that because that's going to depend on a lot of things. If they're buying the land to build a house, you know, and then you'll need to, if it is, if it is any part of it, then you want to make sure that you have your client talk with a lot of different insurance during their study period. And don't make your study period 15 days, something. I mean, you want to make your study period a significant time that they can truly make sure that this property is going to uh, be able to allow them to do what they want to do, uh, whatever it is that their um, dream is for that particular property. Uh, I would always rather a, a client not get a property, even though they may want it, if they don't have all the information. Because so what if they get it and they can't do it, then like Steve always says, it's not a problem until it's a problem. Uh, you're their best friend until there are a problem. There's a problem. Then you're not their best friend, and you're the cause of it. You should have told me this. You should. Now, with that said, before you go out and you work with any client, we all know we have these um, conversations and we have communication. Talk with them. Let them know. Here's what we're going to do. Here's how land works. This is what I'm going to do. I will share with you what I do, but this is a team effort. This is your property. Don't fully take what I'm saying. I'm going to do my due diligence. However, you have due diligence you need to take also. You need to contact and also talk with them. I don't let them off the hook and they're just setting back. I will but I want them to make the call. I don't mind doing the work, but I want them to make calls too. Is a property in land use? <clears throat> Let me see what time it is. I'm gonna stick, okay, I gotta, these two are the longest ones. Land use, um, it's property that um, the landowner is getting a tax break on because it is producing income of some type. Um, on our contract class yesterday, uh, I said that one of the things that could be, they could have pulp wood there. You know, they could have a 10 to 15 stand year, uh, year stand of pulp wood that they're going to harvest. 
and that's why they have um, they have a land use. So make sure that um, if you're working for the seller, you understand uh, if they have that. Um, if it's a farm and it's going to remain as a farm, the buyer the buyer has to go take care of getting that application. The process can start before, but <clears throat> if it is a property that the seller is saying, okay, I'm dividing this property into this parcel, but by dividing it, it makes it not even have the ability to get um, land use because you've narrowed the acreage down, now you can't. That seller has used his tax credits over the years. He's the one that's chosen to, he or she's chosen to divide it and make it non available for tax use, uh, land use purpose. So I personally normally always put in there to be paid by seller if applicable, um, because there was uh, one of the agents, I don't know who had one like that. And I'm like, yeah, that seller put that property in the position that it can't be in land use. So the buyer can't even go do an application. So why is that buyer being punished and having to pay all the rollback taxes for five years because the seller chose to make it not usable for land use. So anyway. yeah, I, I had one here in the past year um, that <laughs> buyer and seller were negotiating and doing the due diligence period on the buyer's side. Uh, the seller had put it into a, uh, you know, tax break situation. And when it was going to sale, there was $80,000 due on back taxes because of the tax breaks that had been given. So the buyer wasn't gonna pay that, but at the same time, we now brought it to light for the seller that when you go to sell this, you're gonna to have to pay this. So, you know, that was kind of eye-opening for the seller. And of course they wanted to adjust their price <laughs> to compensate <laughs> grand, but uh, yeah, it's, it's good to do your due diligence. So all parties know exactly what the heck's going on and there's no surprises. Yeah. Because I feel on that, it's a just it's a little tiny two lane two line paragraph, and I think a lot of people don't understand it, so they just say not applicable. Well, hello, it may be applicable, and you don't want to find that out at the last minute. Um, so on large parcels, and I'm going to talk a little fast. The others are mostly pictures because uh, I want to get to where our um, speaker can uh, next speaker can talk. So uh, large parcels. If you have a large parcel parcel, make sure that you talk with them. If, it, if it's your listing, if it's not, if it's your um, buyer, we're going to talk about <clears throat> phase studies. Uh, are there any dump sites, trash, oil dump, you know, are there, has people been dumping dead animals, you know, from their farm in certain areas or whatever? Um, has there, is there any sinkholes, things like that? You want to know those things. Has there been uh, any apple orchards? I'm going to dive into that here in a minute. I got a little video on it. Uh, has there been any apple orchards on the property? This is huge, huge. If those agents that have not, the valley here is one of the top areas in the state of Virginia that had apples. Apple orchards were everywhere. And we're going to, I'm going to show you a video on it. And please take heed to this. And if you're selling land, I've sold land that I knew was orchards. I had the soil tested and everything. It's And then there's ways to mitigate it, but
but it cost a ton of money. So um, is it in a conservation easement? You know, make sure you read all conservation easements can be written up in many ways. So it could be where, yes, it's 200 acres and you see all this and all this road frontage and stuff and you're thinking, oh, I'm gonna be able to do this and that. But in reality, you can probably only make two divisions, a minimum of 25 acres or 15, whatever they make it, you need to make sure. So if it says conservation easement, it's fun to say conservation easement, but the it, conservation easement can have a lot of loopholes a lot of things that can be detrimental to the property if your client has an idea for it. So it can restrict, um, it, it supersedes the zoning law. So if the zoning says you can do this, yep, it, it can't do it if it has a conservation easement. So read that conservation easement. If, if you are the, especially your client doesn't understand it, get an attorney to explain it. Don't add, I'm sorry, title companies are wonderful. They're not attorneys. They can't back you when it comes to legal things like this. So I would definitely say use an attorney uh, for uh, things like we're getting ready to talk about. Any type of CREP program, their conservation, conservation uh, reserve uh, enhancement programs where it could be a five year, 10 year, 15, 25, 50 year, you have to read those. Yes, they get money, but they can't use the land for certain things. So be aware of those. The next thing we're gonna talk about is chemicals, brownfields, um, and things like that. So this is just a quick slide for those that have not got uh, down and dirty in the dirt with the soil uh, AOSCs, get out there. It is very, very interesting get the clothes, get in the ditch with them, watch what they're doing, watch how they measure the distance down. And then to the left, this thing right here, that's their guide. They'll clump up the dirt and they'll put it next to there. And then it lets them know that's how they, this allows you to be, have so much knowledge to share with your client. Agents would say, why do you go to those all the time? because I, I knew a lot about it that they didn't know, you know, so, and they've come to me uh, because I did. Uh, quickly, don't ever just give somebody this and say, this is a property, you know, number one is if it's GIS or if something's done from satellite, that's not the, that's giving you an idea. And there are different tools that you can use that says, but honestly, the you know, don't assume fence lines, tree lines, mow lines, anything like that is a property line. Uh, be, uh, just don't, I mean, I won't even go deeper into that. Just don't, the only, the only way right here, the only way you know exactly where those property lines and it is the only exact way is to for a survey and know where the pins are. Bottom line, that's the only way. There's all kinds of gadgets out there that can guide you, but this is this is what is legal and what you go on. This one here, a lot of agents don't represent their client in selling their property and get the, the best amount for their property because they don't understand this. Um, had I stayed here, 
uh, and not moved away for a while and stayed here. This was my next thing I had started in on because I'm, I, I just love it, is uh, cruising property and appraising timber. Um, so once again, agents that aren't aware of all these things, they'll go to a property and they're gonna look at property, that other wooded property. Oh, this is wooded property. I'm gonna go see what the comps are for other wooded property. But have you walked through the property? Do you understand trees? How large are the, you know, what kind of stand of trees are there? How much money, literally? Sometimes you, what you're selling the property for, the stand of trees and the timber that's in there could be worth more than what you're selling the property for. So if you don't understand that, then you're not doing your client uh, the best service. So it's very important if um, most of the time, like if, you, if it's in a subdivision, you can't do this anyway, because they're not going to let you cut. And you don't want, they don't want to clear cut anyway, but timber cruising, they come out and it's a process of measuring standing trees to determine characteristics, type, size, volume, quality to obtain a volume estimate. So there's different types of estimates that they can give on uh, timber. Uh, volume estimation, like it as a whole in this particular plot. And they also make sure it isn't the habit, habitation of endangered species. Um, the next thing is uh, the actual appraising of the timber, where they actually measure it, the type, the diameter, the quality, approximate board feet. So if um, you can reach out to a forester, um, and ask them, what did I put? And I put a note on here, high 90 plus percent of agents do not do this. They do not know it, they do not do it. And uh, they market, uh, market value of a property is not the same as the ag or the timber rate value of a property. And believe me, your clients will love you when all the other agents are saying, oh, your property's worth 3,500 an acre and you come on and say it's worth 15,000 an acre. They'll say, what? So, okay, let's go through this really quick. Uh, contamination. Debbie has a question in the, um, she wants to know if property is worth more now because the prices of wood are skyrocketing. Well, that's why I wanted to bring this up. Honestly, that was one of my, things I had in my back pocket that I could do that other agents weren't doing. And I used that to my advantage. But as a manager, I wanted to share this with you. If, if you don't know trees, but if it's a wooded, in your study period time, you may want to have somebody come out and do it. They may not be able to do a full cruise, but they can, because they gotta be scheduled for that. Uh, and it could be a distance out, especially now because of price of lumber. You're right, Michael. That's why I did want to bring that up is because of price of lumber, people's land could be valued higher. Just agents don't know that. I have a quick question. Uh-huh. Um, I, I know of a property where there was, in fact, lumber planted specifically for harvesting. Uh-huh. But... Um, this particular piece of land hasn't had a bridge that was engineered properly to get to that um, harvested, you know, harvestable area. So 
do does it need to be evaluated as if it doesn't exist or how, how does that work in evaluating if you can't get to the well, if the if uh, they can't get it off that because epa is going to have to get involved in that for that's enough that's yet one of those other things it dives in deep i can talk to you later about that it dives in deep about working with epa and um uh the core uh army corps of engineers on putting bridges and stuff in mm -hmm. uh so the comprehensive environmental response Compensation and Liability Act was enacted in December 11th, 1980. It's also called, known as the Superfund. So there's uh, funds out there that actually help uh, contaminated land. Um, we And that, again, is something deep to get into. I'm not going to do that. But in, in 1890s, this product uh, they started using it and it is poison. They started using it in apple orchards because of a specific moth. So I am going to, let me, I'm gonna try something here. Whoops. Give me a second and I want, if you guys can't see what I'm about ready to do, I'm gonna do it a different way. Okay, can you guys see this if I get it started? I don't want to see anything but the down and dirty on this page. And you see the top of your page. Yeah. Okay, so here's what I'm gonna do. Let me do it like this. I'm gonna stop share and I'm gonna share the screen again so that way I can pull the video up. Just so you know, it's 1021. Okay, I'm okay. We'll do this and then uh, you can always email that out too. Yeah, I tell you what, look, why don't I email? That's a good thing. Let me because I've got the video, I will email that out, but please watch it. It is very enlightening and it will let you know. Um, okay share screen. Okay, now you can see that, right? We're back to the slides. Okay, so yeah, I'll just email out the, the uh, video and everybody watch that because it is very important. Uh, what do you do? There's ways to test the soil, uh, the environmental site assessment can be done phase one. So when you have properties uh, that are gonna be subdivisions, uh, for many reasons, you're gonna need a phase one and a phase two. So phase one is gonna cost you 1,000 to 2,500 paperwork, reviewing the history of the property, the use of the property, the surrounding properties and submitting the report. Phase two, that is going to be approximately, usually around 5,000, a uh, little bit more, but it can go up to 100,000 and over, depending on the type of property that it is. What they do is they follow up phase one by doing samples of the subsurface, and uh, they do a subsurface investigation. Uh, they collect soil and water samples. Okay, so we pretty much uh, got our hands dirty this morning. We talked about dirt. I wanna thank you for playing in the dirt with me. 
But right now, what I want to do is I have one more. I have one more question, Sheila, from just to get some clarification. Okay. Um, you said that you have to use an attorney instead of a title company because they aren't attorneys. Um, but is an attorney oh, an attorney does the doesn't the doesn't the attorney do everything to review a title? Wait, I'm sorry. My understanding is that an attorney does the review of everything and a title company does the same thing. I hope I'm asking that correctly. Okay, so I, will, <laughs> I can't read okay, apparently. So I'll, I'll say I'll say this. Um, I'll kind of, you can use a title company for everybody. Yes, a title, they are going to have uh, they can have an attorney review things. However, if you're working with a property that has these legality type issues that can truly become legality issues, that title, you can't have those conversations with that title. You need that conversation with the attorney. That attorney needs to be the one that's explaining everything because if you have the attorney telling the title company, the title company person is telling them, the title companies do an amazing job, hands down, but there's a time and place for everything. You don't go to a dentist for brain surgery. When you have specific properties, the majority of the properties I worked with, I use attorneys. Hands down, they don't cost that much more. If I'm sitting at the closing table and something comes up, guess what? That attorney can take care of it right then if it's, an, if it's a legal issue. Sometimes they could do it right then, you could still close. Sometimes you don't close and it could be a long time after. Now you got to get an attorney involved. You got to get their, them scheduled and stuff like that. So know your property that you're doing. Uh, understand the depth of legality things that are there and then decide, is this, I will tell you, there's many times I would have died if I would have had a title company I had to go through. Uh, and I, and I, and Wendy shaking her head. Yes. And matter of fact, as I said, the name Wendy, I'm going to turn it over to Wendy because she is our next speaker. Hi, everybody. I've been in it long enough to be dangerous. Um, I, uh, Sheila asked me to talk a little bit and I honestly don't know what I can add, um, except that a lot of these experiences that she's mentioned have happened. <laughs> it's not just um, once one thing every 10 or 15 years, it happens often. And I would tell you that take every opportunity that you can get to learn about land um, access. Is it buildable? Um, is it in a floodplain? because the more you know, the more you can help your folks um, find the right answers to their questions. And you wanna be the source um, that they go to. I agree with Sheila. There are instances where nine times out of 10, a settlement agent is fine. But if you work with some of these larger um, settlement companies that have multiple offices, you may not even know who the attorney on staff is. Um, and there are times when you're in the middle of a transaction and it seemed like it was already figured out, not a big deal to a big deal because of the conservation easement um, of some of these uh, um, 
issues with zoning and rights of way, sometimes it's really not clear at all. And you've got to do your due diligence to make sure your client has the best um, representation. Um, I guess some things that have happened in the last couple of years that I thought was really interesting is that um, I was selling a parcel of land. It was agricultural. It had a small stream that went along one edge of the property where there was an old building. So we've got this beautiful land with this awesome view, a great old barn that was probably 150 years old. And in the corner where this stream goes through, um, they noted it was in the floodplain and that was an issue for the barn. And the barn was about a hundred feet away on a steady incline. And um, the, the buyers were getting a partial loan to purchase and the flood report came in and said that this, this 150 year old barn was in the floodplain and they wanted to use this barn for a venue. And I said, you know what? I've been on enough land to know if something really should be in a floodplain or not. So we went back to the seller and said, hey, you know, this is a problem. And I, I told the agent, I would like you to go ahead and fight this because well, he said the same thing. I don't think it's in a floodplain. So we went back and dealt elevation certificate survey on this land to prove that it indeed was not in the floodplain. Everything appeared to be, the FEMA maps said they were, uh, but this affected these folks using this parcel for the um, benefit of a home and somewhat of a business. Uh, the big story at the end was uh, COVID became the issue very quickly. They lost their source of income and the contract died. But another learning opportunity for me to say, you know, if you've seen enough of things, you start to have a good feel for rights of way and all these easements that may or may not be an issue. And um, I want to say that I have had the opportunity to live near quite a few apple orchards um, in the last four or five years. And it's not until you drive by cornfields, um, soybean fields, apple orchards, that you really see how they use this land and how they're forced, <laughs> most of them are forced to use their land um, in order to sell those crops. But they turn this, these crops over on a dime for um, they kill every single thing that they've planted and harvested immediately. And the pesticides that they're putting on this stuff has changed my way of thinking. Um, Can I say one thing really quick since I did, didn't see the video, that um, product that they started in 1890s using will last way over a hundred years. It, it's like, some people say it could go 9,000 years. So it is serious stuff. Yes, and it's really, really neat to live on the, on the edge of a, of a um, apple orchard. And they're beautiful to see the change. But um, I actually looked at a house that I considered buying and it was really close to where I'm at now. And we drove down the driveway and there was this, this uh, cornfield that had been harvested, but right on the edge of that field said something like 
no trespassing. And it has the skull and crossbones on the sign. And I looked at my daughter and she looked at me and I looked at the well and I said, no, thank you. Um, so pay attention to the surrounding uh, things around your land too. Um, conservation easements are wonderful until you go to sell that property and the next 15 people that want to buy it want to divide it or even turn it into a multiple family um, compound and they can't because of the conservation easements in. Um, I don't, let's see, what else? Anybody have any questions? I do, I have a question. So let's say you have a builder and you want to list the lot and maybe like a to be built. So essentially you have two, you know, listings. How does that work? Because I think a lot of folks on here, you know, they might get the land deal and they're like, well, it might be easier for me to sell if I also had a builder attached to it. So I guess, how does that work? Well, um, I don't know if Marsha's on here or not, because I know Marsha's working on some to be builts and I currently don't have anything listed as a to be built. And, Shame on me, I wish I did. Um, but the builders are hard to come by too right now because they're so busy, they don't need our projects. But uh, first of all, you need to find out if your tract of land can be subdivided. You might have a, a tract, but you might need 350 feet of road frontage. Um, you may need um, a right of way to get to um, another section of the property that's going to be subdivided. So it might look like it's simple to subdivide, but until you know, number one, if it'll perk and how um, the county is going to uh, decide how that is used, how it's going to be divided, you've got to have it surveyed, soil work, and then you've got to turn it into the county to get well and septic permits. So there's a lot of legwork that goes into it before you even get to the builder phase. Um, I, think, I think Wendy too, when they, when they do that, they usually, um, if a builder's interested, he'll put a certain contingency study period on the contract so he can get done exactly what you're talking to, uh, to see if it's even viable that he will be able to do all those things. And usually a su um, study period can be, you know, for something uh, like that, it could be a couple months. Yeah, it could be. It could take three, four, six months to find all this out, especially in a market that's hot like this. Are you finding that you are selling them faster than that? That would even take place. Well, it slows down the process, honestly. So um, I don't really have. Um, I have a lot of lots listed that I'm actually biting the bullet and helping folks turn some tiny lots over uh, that they've owned for 10, 15, 25, 30 years, like in Shawnee land. And, you know, sometimes I roll my eyes and I think, geez, what am I doing? Because my, my sales are going down, but I try not to look at that picture. I try to look at someone's needs and, you know, that piece of land may not mean anything to a seller, but to a buyer, we have to do our due diligence to help them. So um, 
I've had a hard time on some parcels getting builders, to be honest. Um, I don't know if anyone else is having that issue um, at all as far, as far as marketing something um, that may not be as desirable because builders typically don't want to travel too far to market mm -hmm. land um, mm -hmm. and put a house on it. Oh, Sheila, I was going to say this, um, and you, you may have covered this. I didn't sell land because I never could figure out north, south, east, or west, but um, my dogs were neurotic this morning. But I was wondering, did you say something about um, insurance, getting insurance on your home once it's done? You know, you go out these country roads, sometimes the insurance companies don't really want to have something built if they don't have a fire department or something else nearby. I didn't know if you covered that, but if you did, I apologize. Thank you, June. I did not have that on my slide. I was trying to condense it. Yes, definitely you wanna make sure that talk to your insurance person in your study period, that's yet another thing you should do um, and see how much more they're, they may insure you, but they may charge you a lot more if you're in way out. If you call your local fire department, they already know what their ISO rating is for their entire territory. And you can give whoever the insurance provider is that information to get your quote as well. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Uh, Thanks. Yeah, great. And, and I had one and what it was, was it was a little far out, but the fire department uses the pond that the, the lake, the spring fed lake that's on this one private property. They use that uh, to get water besides the tankers. So thank you, uh, Liz, for saying that. On the pond thing, go on the pond thing. If anybody has a pond that would work for a hydrant, you can contact your local department too. And there is free funding to get uh, hydrants placed on those ponds. And the fire department and or department of forestry, depending on where you're lo located, um, will do all the paperwork and everything. All you as a landowner have to do is sign off that they'll allow that to happen. And that lowers your ISO rating because you don't, it doesn't, excuse me, it doesn't matter how much water's in the station. That's great information. That is. And it's not as dangerous, well, it is kind of dangerous, but driving those, a lot of people don't realize driving those trucks, I mean, full is one thing, but that's at a high rate of speed, too. Awesome information. Does anybody have any questions for anybody? Have questions for Liz about insurance or uh, the fire department and what they do or Wendy or anybody? If not, we will call it a wrap for today's career development. Did everybody get something out of today? It was excellent. Awesome. I'm glad you did. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, where can we get more information? This is a great overview. Some things that we need to be thinking about as agents when we're going to list land or buy land or whatever, but where can we get certified? Where can we get like a class on land, like an okay. actual so, certified? Uh, I will, so accredited land consultant designation is, I will tell you, it's extremely hard to get and very expensive. It's right now it's over $10,000 by the time you get all your classes. And when you get it, 
uh, I paid over 6,000 when I got mine, but then you have to have over 5 million in land sales with no, with no improvements on it. So you have to have 5 million in land sales with no improvements okay. on it. Well, I really don't want to get certified. <laughs> yeah. So but, I, but, but I have the understanding and stuff and I love land. So if anybody has questions, this is a, honestly, you just learn more than a lot of agents and a lot of companies teach their agents about land. This with what you say, you know, it's going to be recorded. Go back, listen to some of the things. If, if any of you listen or anybody's listening to the recording now, if you listen and, and you see something and, and it uh, drives a question, feel free to reach out. I'm happy to talk uh, and share my knowledge. Now, with that said, I'm not the know-all be-all inland. I, nobody is on anything. So if you, ever you ask me something and I don't know because laws change and things, I will guarantee you I will be a Snoopy dog and I will find the answer for you. However, uh, I think what you have here is going to give you enough to be aware that you guys can represent your clients better than any other agent out there because we have the tool to help facilitate getting them. When Here's the thing that you know you're doing good. When you start getting calls from agents and they'll say, are you crazy? You have $15,000 an acre on that land. land. You know land's only going for 35 or 3,700. Yeah, I do. However, I understand transitional land. So just reach out if you have questions, you guys will rock it and you'll do well. Um, we like to share our knowledge, so y'all do well. Can we get, you know, Wendy said that there is a lot of legwork and like, she was like listing off a lot of different things. It would be nice to have that checklist of things like, you know, when we go to list a house, we know we need to get the deed, we need to get the plat, we need to, you know, we have our own checklist of things to list a house. It would be nice to have the same thing for land. Because there are different things. If you go back over the recording, okay. and you you can pretty much in your head go over the recording because I was trying to bullet point first zoning in zoning. This is what you need to do okay. next. This and the next key to that, Beth, is the relationship that you build with the county officials. When you build relationships with the county officials hands down, you can get things done quicker because they understand that you are in it for knowledge and, and you're there, you wanna do it the right way. You're there helping facilitate what their rules and regulations are. So they are, that's where you start building your knowledge. You know, you're not gonna learn everything. Even if you took the class and you walked out of accredited land consultant designation, I don't care what class you take, you're never the best in anything ever. You're always learning. I'm not. I'm not worried about being the best, and I know I have resources than you guys. I just like to have checklists. I like to have something yeah. on paper. Well, <laughs> There's one thing I'll add here too. If you're working with somebody buying a lot, getting the financing is a lot different than going out and getting financing for a home. So they have to be aware they're not going to get 100% uh, financing or something like that. And if you're working with a builder, he may well have money already set aside in a bank that he can buy land, but they need to know 
that uh, they need to be qualified of whether or not they can buy land because sometimes it requires a lot of money down. Yes, and not all lenders will finance land. No, uh, they won't. Don't even don't even let a, a lender from another state try to represent a buyer on a land purchase. Sometimes local banks will do it, but um, you just have to search it out. It's just don't. It's not a given if you take somebody out and they say, "Oh, I've got five percent down." Well, that's not going to work with land. Just a bank of Romney normally is one of those land um, that will finance land, and so is City National. That's good to know. Mm -hmm. One other thing I do want to share, uh, and we are farm credit. Farm, yes, farm credit is definitely one. So one other thing I do want to share, and I actually meant to actually pull it up out of the code of ethics. Always know, because we're going to start doing that, where we're pulling up and sharing different things in the code of ethics. So uh, I think it's in Article Eleven. One of the things it talks about specifically is agents staying in their lane, short and sweet. You know, you stay in your lane, you do what you know how to do. If you don't know how to do it, then it is your obligation. The code of ethics says you need to, you can't do commercial if you don't understand commercial. If you don't know cap rate, future values, and you don't know how to do all of that, you can't talk the lingo that the investors need. So you need to dovetail with someone. Will you have to give some of your commission away? Yeah, because you don't have the knowledge, but you'll dovetail with the agent that does. And that way you are learning, but you're staying within the code of ethics and staying in your lane. So whatever it is, if you're looking to do, say you have an investor that is wanting to do a great big subdivision, You've got to do all the rezoning. You've got to do the curb and gutter. You've got to do the um, all the testing on the fire hydrants and all that kind of all those kind of stuff. All the phase that's good, could take a year or more. You as a residential agent can't do that. You need to make sure you dovetail with uh, somebody that can and learn through the process. But that is speaking. That comes straight. That's common sense, but it also comes from the Code of Ethics in Article 11. I forget which subchapter, but um, Article 11 says that. But anyway, you guys, it's been, it's 1046. This has been great. Send us messages and questions if you have it. I love this subject. Hi. See ya. Thank you. Thank you guys very much.